Welcome back to Seat Time and welcome to episode 22.2 of the Seat Time podcast. For this month's episode, I chat with Cole Kirkpatrick. If you've been following the National Enduro Series for a good long while, you'll remember when he raced at the highest level from 2007 to 2011. If you're from Texas and raced the T-Sex Series, you'll know he won his first overall C championship back in 2002. If you're newer to the sport, this is Cole's fifth year running gnarly roots with Sumter Slayer, Russell Bobbitt. Cole and I chat about all the things I just mentioned and more. He's a great dude, still racing and still winning, but also making moves that bring the sport forward. If you enjoy this episode, share it with a riding buddy, give us a review or rating because apparently that's new to the Spotify platform, or support Seat Time on Buy Me a Coffee or through the Seat Time shop. There's a new video in the works, so make sure you click the Seat Time YouTube link in the description to get subscribed to see the jorts in action. Here's Cole. Dude, Cole Kirkpatrick, it's February 2022. We're here for uh, the second episode of Seat Time. How the heck are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy I don't have my long johns on like I've been wearing all week inside uh, just because of the crazy weather we've had. Did you guys lose power? We did not. We didn't lose power the first time. I think we're on the same grid as the police station close to us, so we got lucky. Um, but yeah, we had we were good this time around and prepared. Awesome, yeah. How man. about you? I saw you doing some some donuts in the driveway. Oh, I'm glad that you are checking that out on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, man. Like it was the weirdest. Unfortunately for me, Tuesday I got a stomach bug in the afternoon. Wednesday literally spent all day in bed. But by Thursday morning, waking up, I was like, I'm about 75%. So I spent all day working, but it was like spreadsheets and PowerPoint, right? Like the worst, I mean, who really wants to spend all day doing that? And then it was like, everybody's outside, like enjoying it. And I was like, I just, I didn't even say anything. I just bundled up into my coveralls. I opened the garage door and just throttled out on the four-wheeler. And it was just like, because ah! <laughs> I needed to That's release awesome. some energy, but we did it. We did it. I know it was what a crazy time. We spent a lot of time talking with Alan Cotton last time about that. Two years in a row, almost the exact same time. Luckily, it was not mm-hmm. near as bad uh, in the long run of the wind and the ice and the breaking down of all of the things and the keeping of the power. But here we are. Did you do anything crazy? Come on. I know you got a little bit of wildness in you. Well, we got the kids out every day just because we, we can't sit inside uh, that long. And then we did take uh, we took merit sledding one evening, but we it was at Flagpole Hills, which is up on top of the hill. And we kind of went in the, the way that you don't have to go up or down any big hills, but coming into the parking lot, you could see where the cars, people that really hadn't thought about it. I mean, there were pileups and there was this Jeep club that was like huddled around helping everybody. I mean, they were living for just getting people out of the ditches and, and all that. But that, we didn't get too crazy. We just went, went sledding with a three-year-old for about 15 minutes. You know, that's about all <laughs> those little kid has in them if they've never experienced that kind of cold. So we did that. Uh, went back to the house and now the sun's shining and been doing bicycle rides and all that kind of good stuff. Awesome. Now, how crazy would it have been if the that first round of TSEC had ended with this storm right in West Texas? I do believe a handful of years ago, there was an Enduro out there that ended in a crazy blizzard. You know, you were out there for 2022 TSEC opener. Like well, that would have been pretty nuts, wouldn't it? That would have been wild. And that was actually 2012 Lubbock Trail Rider Enduro. I can remember that. It and it was freezing cold in the morning. And then at the end of the day, if you were doing the long course, I think the last test was, you know, like a 14 or 15 mile section and it started sleeting and then snowing and the snow was sticking to the ground and it was unreal. It was one of those things that was sweet because we were, you're committed, you're already in a race and it's already going on, but they had 
a big bonfire at the check-in to keep everybody warm. I mean, I will never forget that that day, that race. Uh, so, <laughs> but luckily, Red Canyon it was a lot warmer than that. I think it was 75, 70 degrees, so it was nice. Perfect oh, riding weather. Dude, yeah, right. Like, almost too warm, right? Especially because it sounds like you guys had some pretty dusty conditions and a heck of a lot of riders actually at the event to kick off the season. There were, there were a ton of riders, and you're right, super dry. I mean, the conditions in West Texas right now are as dry as they've been in a long time. Um, but it was really cool to see almost 500 racers line up for the start of the TSEC season. It was co-sanctioned with Blackjack, so it definitely pulled in some more riders. And then since TCCRA and Torn aren't going on right now, I think there were a lot of people that were itching to get out and race, and good way to do it. So hopefully, the I know the next one's Sandwinder Enduro, and it's coming up, and it always pulls a lot of people. And I hope that as the year progresses, the TSEC will continue to have a strong rider count. Nice. Yeah, and I saw some RMEC guys, right, like following Highland Cycles on Instagram. I saw that that Morgan came over and that there were quite a few other RMEC guys. And that was, again, it's, it's neat to see that West Texas, those events are really pulling in a lot of racers. So it seems that even though there was a little bit of a dwell, I guess you could say, in TSEC numbers, it seems like it's kind of swelling back up again, which is cool to see. You got the win at this event, Cole, like you are quote unquote, not a racer anymore. Right. And you're like putting out this video. That's like comparing your race bike to your gnarly roots, 300 TPI. And like through that, you decide, you know what, this is actually my race bike now, you know, that that's smooth is fast. Kind of, I'll let you talk about all the things you came up with in that, but like, dude, what the heck? Well, I mean, you know me, I still like to compete. I still like to, you know, I've, ride my bicycle when I can. I still like to go ride on the weekends with my buddies when I can. Uh, and I still love riding enduros. That's the reason I still make the drive out to the T-Sec races is because I still like to read trail at speed. I still, I kind of ride in my comfort zone. I'm still going fast. I'm still pushing, but you know, I'm not taking any unnecessary risks. Uh, I feel pretty calculated what I do, but there's, there's plenty of guys in the double A class that, you know, make me work for it. Ryan Grantham's one of them. He's been you know, for the last four or five years, just coming on strong. He's always been super fast, motocross, supercross guy. Um, he and I had some battles back in the Torque Series a long, long time ago, and it's been cool to see him figure out the enduro side of things. But I did win uh, Red Canyon, had a good race, and I rode that, yeah, like you said, a 300 XCW TPI. And it was interesting because, um, you know, one of my favorite things about the enduros and the A-class is that they still throw in some really technical terrain um throughout the race and th that's exactly how it was we got to ride chuck norris which is pretty technical and the last special test had maybe not even the last one the, the fourth test had um, a b split in it and i'm getting confused on the test but anyways there were lots of lots of good terrain to race on i mean a good variety and i would encourage anybody listening you get a lot of seat time you do have to drive further to get to these events but i mean for me i still I still will, will, will drive until midnight or one the night before uh, once the kids are all down to go to go race enduros. I still like doing it that much. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I was really disappointed that I, I kind of I mean, I was disappointed going into the weekend knowing I wasn't going to be able to make it. But then it was even one of those things where then you start to people are starting to trek home. Right. And you start getting the text messages and everything or like and it's just like uh, I really I mean, I missed out. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was like, no, nah, it wasn't like. Ah, it's cool. You know, if you didn't come, whatever. It was like, no, no, no. Like you truly missed a great event and that does suck. But here we are living our best life. And you know what? One day there's going to be a race that I'm going to make it to and somebody's not going to be able to make it and they're going to be a little bit jealous and that's okay too, right? 
it'll, it'll be me. Yeah, I'll be I'll be the one having the, the same the same feeling. I know I won't do all all the T sec races this year. I miss a lot, but uh, hopefully you and I will link up at one. Uh, maybe we can ride on the same row or something. I will be extremely slow. It'll be phenomenal, and we'll do another another uh, great video of getting passed by Cole Kirkpatrick. Still one of my most actually at the Sandwinder Enduro what was about six seven years ago. Maybe I was on row twenty eight. You were on twenty nine. So I made a video specifically of every time you caught me and Pat and how quickly you left me. It was <laughs> it was phenomenal. Oh man. <laughs> 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 that, yeah, uh, we'll have to do that we'll have to do that again <laughs> i like how you laugh while you say that it's okay You're, believe me i know where i stand so what i think is is crazy interesting again like you've been doing this a long time i moved to texas in 2002 well in 2002 that was the year that you won your first t-sec overall championship in the c-class right that that you have a storied history racing enduros you know especially like t-sec we can talk about all the other series but very much in t-sec and then three years later right you're winning so 2002 is you get c-class three years later you're t-sec overall champion right and then even three years after that you're in 2008 you're now sick you know third place in the national enduro series right i mean that's six years like it seems like Six years seems like a long time, but in reality, as as racers, especially at the age you were, kind of that progression, like, what was that like? Like, that seems crazy to me. Well, it, it seems like a lifetime ago. I actually feel like I remember the, the C and the A class times a little bit better. I mean, I remember bits and pieces, but I mean, I just grew up riding for fun with my dad and brother on the weekends. And I think the first Enduro I did, I was 13. Um, and like you said, in 02, we did the, the T-Sec series for the first time. And I couldn't believe that we were all going to load up and drive to, you know, Austin or Houston to, to race motorcycles. And it was fun. I mean, it was a family deal. Uh, my dad and just raced. just to clarify, how old are you this. in this? Oh, I would have been 02, 14, thir- I mean, 14 or so. Um, I'm 34 now. Uh, Anyways, we don't want to burn up some time me trying to calculate <laughs> numbers. But 14 anyway, so it. yeah, yeah. So we never grew up with a motocross track or anything. So my brother and I were decent at riding trails. We just we didn't know it. And my dad didn't really either. We didn't have anything to compare it to. Um, and the first couple T sec races, you know, I think I was in the top five overall C and then just slowly progressed from there. And I gotta give a big shout out to Mike Wilson. Uh, he, he's a previous T secondero champion and I can remember he he was really cool about letting my dad and I ride on his row and I got to learn so much from him in 2002 he, I think he won the T sec championship that year and in 2003 and I just got to see that speed at all the T sec races and it would be for 10 seconds at a time and then for 20 seconds at a time and then you know, the next year when I was in the A class, then I, it was 30 seconds. It, you know, he just towed me along um, and kind of showed me that speed. And it was really cool. I hadn't seen him or talked to him in years. And he was at Red Canyon. I was unloading my bike and he came walking up and it was awesome to see him. I just, you know, he and his dad used to go to the Texas Enduros and it was it was cool seeing him come back and, and race in Red Canyon again in the A class. So, um, but yeah, so it, it just started progressing and then, like you said, I, I won the TSEC championship for the first time in 2005 and then again in 2006 and, and multiple times after that. Uh, but 
it was trying to think, you know, when I was that age, I was kind of naive to how fast I was, you know, I would consider myself like a pro, even though I was a local pro. Um, and then I can remember going to a works race outside of Bastrop and getting smoked by some 250A kids from, you know, from Nevada, like Justin Soule and Ricky Dietrich before those guys were uh, racing at factory level. And then that opened my eyes uh, to see, and okay, there is, you know, there's five or six more levels of speed uh, that I wasn't even aware about. And so then it's just a matter of, you know, with the off-road side of things, it's not like some sports when you go pro, you have like a pro model board or a snowboard, or, you know, you go, you get drafted to go, you know, play for a team, you just kind of look at the results that you have locally and then decide, okay, I'm going to go to some national events and, and see how, how I do. And that was basically what we did. We did a couple of national enduros at one in Missouri. Um, and then I think uh, trail riders of Houston had, they were on the national enduro series one year it would have been 2006. So did some of those, but you know, you just have to go from, okay, I'm winning races in Texas. I want to go race against all the guys that are winning in their regions, but on a, on a national scale. And that's, that's what we did. So 2007 was the first year that I raced those. And then I raced the national enduros through, I think 2011 was the last complete season that I had. Wow. Okay. That was 2011. You said is your last uh, kind of full national enduro series. That's right. Okay. So what is that then kind of seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So about five years, they're like truly chasing kind of like that pro level of a national enduro racer. Correct. Man, yes. that's crazy. I remember 2000. So again, if we go back a little bit, like 2006, got a dirt bike again, 2000, so I, I did that. Uh, uh, what was it? I started doing the T-Sec in 2007 because we were at um, Gilmer, Gilmer, Texas. That was like the first year of, I think, the new mm -hmm. NEPG. And they, I don't believe it. I think oh, it was that's the right. first year they did the, the new sprint, no, no, not sprint format, but the restart format and everything like that. And dad no, and I yeah, were exactly blown away. It, dad and I were just blown away because we grew up in, you know, in Louisiana. And so we had maybe hit a couple of the Sabine races back in the day, but we did not come to Texas regularly for that kind of stuff. And we had so much fun. And it, we, we could just tell afterwards that dad and I were like, crap, like Brian's an enduro rider again. You know, like it was like, oh, Jesus. So that's like I, how, what got me into T-Sec again in, in, in my, uh, well, my, my unstoried past, right, of all that kind of stuff. But Oh seven. But I can always I can remember seeing you you and your dad at so many races over the years. You just doing the same thing that my dad and I and right. my brother were doing. You know, just, just having fun racing. Yeah. We had our uh, we would do hot dogs and ramen noodles. Like that was our Saturday night like dinner that <laughs> So it's like that's why you always run out of energy on Sunday. <laughs> right. I have learned to eat. I have learned a lot about nutrition and uh, throughout the years, uh, definitely to say the least. But what's crazy about those five years, like I want to kind of like if you could. What were some of the big learnings? Right. Again, 07 to 2011, that five years, five years doesn't sound like a long time, but there is such an opportunity to learn and to grow and to have kind of these large spikes of growth right now. Once you get to that tip of the spear, that's where we talk about those one percent, those five percent. But what, what do you feel like mm -hmm. if you were to look back on that, that were just like eye-opening learnings wow, now that you're trying to truly race at that pace. Quick moment. If you're enjoying this, please think about sharing with a riding buddy or leaving a review. Thanks. For me, a lot of it was learning the mental side of it. Um, and 
even I won two national enduros in 2008 and one of them was in Nevada and it didn't feel like a special day by any means. You know, I mean, um, just everything was clicking and I, I, I was the, you know, won that day. But the, the biggest thing too that I left, took away from that was from 2002 to 2005, you know, the speed increase was just boom, super fast to go from a fast C rider to a local double A rider. You know, that I feel like a lot of people could accomplish that with a lot of seat time and just focusing on fitness. Um, you know, that, that, that was really rewarding. You see the gains coming, you, you know, every time you ride, you feel faster, you get more confidence, but then as you increase in speed, like you said, those gains get tiny and you may, you know, for me, I would feel like I'm pounding my head against the wall, putting in the time, bike set up, practicing during the week. And then you don't have those huge uh, gains that you experience early as a motorcycle racer. So I, th I think for me, that was probably the trickiest part because you're going and racing against the, the best guys in the country uh, in the enduro discipline. And, you know, that I just remember that being kind of eye opening of, okay, as I keep progressing, those little, those increments of speed are even harder and harder to come by, but even more important. Yeah. Um, I like you said, was it Mike Wilson that you mentioned, right? The T-Sec racer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he was kind of like somebody that was a mentor earlier on. Like who were your mentors during that time period, right? Like, again, like those people that maybe kind of like opened your eyes to like, oh my gosh, like the, what I thought this was, it's actually vastly different. Oh man. I don't know if it's so much that, but I know like Russell Bobbitt and I were always good buddies in 2009. I, he and Kurt Caselli and I all lived at Russ's house for, part of the season and that was no um I knew what it took to race at that level as far as the, the time putting in all of that effort but I can remember watching Russ do things workout wise never missing workouts um not slacking on diet some of that stuff was pretty eye-opening and he was already a national enduro champion at that point and same thing for Kurt Kurt had had really good success on the west coast and just watching how you know, religious those guys were about the workout or the plan that they had set that they would would stick to it. That was definitely eye opening. But doing the motos, all that, that wasn't too eye opening to me, just because I spent a ton of time on the motorcycle, you know, early on um, racing. So for me, it was just seeing how calculated those guys were, and even just the variety too of, of different types of races. I would go to GNCCs and really struggle just because you know, hadn't done it that much. So for me, um, having some variety and go race different things that seemed to help a lot too. Yeah. Interesting. That time that you were with, I, I just, now it makes me want to go down the Kirk Selly rabbit hole. Cause you know, but I can't, we don't have that much time, but that time with Kirk Caselli and that time with Russell Bobbitt and, and, and others like that, as you're there, and, and you're seeing them get results, you're seeing them get these championships and things like that. And you're not getting those right does that ever affect you like and if it did like how like positive negative anything like that so kurt kurt for sure struggled on the east coast it was so different than what he was racing um in california but for sure being with russ i mean i moved there in 2009 to be in georgia and to try to ride woods more just because i was living in lubbock at the time and the terrain out there is red canyon and <laughs> that's not what the national enduro series events look like so my hope was that I, you know, Russ was kind enough to, to let me into his circle and see what he was doing behind the scenes. So looking back, he probably wasn't that worried, worried about me uh, as, a, as a competitor, but it was definitely hard seeing, you know, I can remember 
struggling at round one and Sumter in 2009 with break issues and Russ won that day. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm kind of down a little bit coming back to his house and he's, he just won, you know, and that was a little bit tough to see, but I still felt like I was pretty open-minded and realistic about expectations for myself that year. For sure. I still wanted to win, but I knew that in the tight trees that I did not have what it took um, to win that race, but it definitely was, I'd say later on, like 09 or 2010, even where then, okay, I've been trying to ride some different stuff for a couple of years. I'd moved to the DFW area and then racing more cross countries, more woods races. And then you kind of see the long game of like, okay, I'm putting in all this time, all this effort and really not seeing much change. And then at that point in time too, the NEPG series was, was really growing a lot too. And then there was, there's more competition and all of that. So there was, I mean, there was a lot, lot going on and what is it what were the decisions made for like okay i'm i'm done like as a professional dirt you know or as trying to be a professional dirt bike racer right to to chase series at a professional level like what does that look like for you what did that feel like well so the time i was in school and getting close to graduating and for me at the the level that i was at i was not going fast enough to pay the bills long-term. Uh, and especially at that period of time in 08 and 09, all that, the, you know, the economy changed so much and, but I still wasn't winning races. And at that time, and I, I feel like it's true even today that the, the off-road is such a small segment that if you're not winning races, uh, you've got to have a lot to offer for companies to be uh, paying you to ride a motorcycle. And so for me, I, it just got to a point to where I, I can remember lining up and having not doubts, but knowing that like, you know, I don't want to crash or I don't want to try to go that next level speed and, you know, get hurt. And so I just, it was kind of riding on the wall. And I remember telling my dad uh, at the end of 2011, you know, this has been fun. I, I still would like to go do a, a couple more, but as far as doing all of them, it just, I didn't see it. We weren't getting a return on what we were putting into it. And I had some opportunities with KTM to do video work and, and some other things that would still allow me to enjoy time on two wheels and share that with people without having to line up at that level and lay it on the line. Because those, those guys, there's, there's no, I mean, if you're just barely off the pace any, it'll be minutes at the end of the day. And so I just, you know, I could kind of see that for me in, my, in the back of my head, if I wasn't willing to line up and just 100% focus on the race and laying it all out on the course, then it wasn't worth, it wasn't worth, you know, continuing just to try to do it just for the sake of it. Yeah. And it sounds like you had a pretty good headspace about that, right? Like you weren't someone who was willing to literally put your soul, body, and mind repeatedly over and over again into a wall, trying to, trying to better yourself. It was kind of like, listen, I know I could probably gain some 1% here and there, but that it, it's, like you need to find that extra 10% almost versus like the small 1%. But regardless of that. Oh, for that sure. And there were no, I mean, there were no, I was going to say there were, there were no breakout rides either to, you know, in that 2010 or 2011 season that was to me that I could bank on, okay, there's hope, you know, um, and, or at least hope at that level. I was just kind of ended up being like an eighth or seventh to 10th place guy and drive around the country for a season for that. 
Um, you know, and, and this, the series is even more competitive now. So no disrespect by any means to those guys that are um, in that space and at that level. But for me, when I was doing it, I just, I was ready for something different and knew that it, you know, that I just kind of lost that edge that I kind of had at one time as far for, for that kind of competition. Right. As you kind of like start to back away from that now obviously we've watched you and stuff and if anybody goes back like you're still racing and when you get out there you're still doing what you're doing now sometimes you're still winning right you're still having fun but i have to like wonder like did you ever have feelings of failure right did you ever kind of like mentally beat yourself up over these uh, these realizations right that we kind of like put on ourselves that we didn't make it i wasn't good enough i i wasn't fast enough like did any of that go through you I don't feel, I mean, of course, a little bit where you think, whoa, I just spent five years of my life doing this, but the memories that I had with my dad driving around and he was always super cool, low pressure uh, about all of it. And I was really lucky in, in that. Uh, I think that was one reason that whenever I was got to the point that I knew it wasn't going to happen, that I was okay with it. It was just kind of one of those deals. And, and, I, and I had been in school and I had some other stuff kind of lined up. Um, but for sure you always, I think if you try to race at that level and anybody that competes, you always have that, that piece of you that wants that no matter what. I mean, even it, I've done some hare and hound races the last couple of years that have been at LTR. So say one hare and hound race, you know, it's the one that is out uh, at the Lubbock trail riders place, but even lining up and doing that, it feels, there's nothing like it. And even that's why I still like going to the T-Sec races because you get to kind of tap into that. I get to tap into that little part of me that likes to compete and whether it's mountain bike races or, or any of that, um, you know, I can still kind of tap into it. Um, but I don't, I think another thing too, is I've grown up being able to look back on it. There is so much more to just, to just riding. And, and Kurt was a big advocate of that. There's way more to life than riding a dirt bike. And, you know, that could have been a, a huge part of it too. Uh, when I was younger, you know, seeing a guy, the success that he had had and how big of a, of an athlete in the, in the sport he was and hearing him say that, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, okay, yeah, dirt bikes are fun and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's still just ride dirt bikes. And so I don't ever remember having breakdown moments. I can for sure remember um, the year that I rode for gas gas. I had a, and it was before the KTM group owned gas gas. I had a bunch of bike issues and that was the last year I did the series. And I can't remember the last race coming home we had a, a brake part break off of the frame in the first test. And when we were driving home from that race and called the guys, you know, just said that, Hey, we're, we're done doing this. Um, and I can remember kind of getting emotional with my dad. Cause I do remember it being, okay, we're not going to go do all these again. Um, but you know, I don't, after that, I remember coming home, got back on one of my old bikes and still rode for fun and still got, got to race. I think that's, one thing that our sport has that's unique that's different than football or soccer or basketball is even when you stop competing at a high level you can still go race uh there's so many events to go choose from if you still want to ride and race so i think that that's kind of a saving grace in in at least in my story a little bit i still get to enjoy riding frequently uh and racing too from time to time so no i don't remember any big breakdowns or anything so i'm, so, I'm sorry Not, no you're it, hey man because we all have different journeys we all have different stories so it's good to get your perspective because that perspective someone else will have it and they will get help from that or they will need help and that will help them so that's kind of like, like why, why i like to talk about that stuff what 
I hear you saying though is that yeah we race so there's a checkered flag if you want to call it the finish line but just remember we really should be remembering to enjoy everything that happens between a green flag and a checkered flag because that's where the true happiness comes from that's where the memories are right like that's where the journey is and so remembering to always enjoy the journey so it sounds like that it's a good thing that either someone helped you understand that early on or that whatever it was that put that there for you kind of like puts you in a mindset of enjoying the journey versus like you're only as valuable as your last finish or your last placement i guess even a better way to think about it so it doesn't sound like you had that which was great <laughs> oh i i did and i think motorcycles has taught me so much about myself that it would have been silly of me and, and almost selfish to be mad about it because I can remember doing last man standing and doing these events that you put your body through the ringer and you learn about this mental capacity that you have that I wouldn't have learned about if it wasn't for motorcycles you know just being able to push through adversity um, how far the body can go and, and what the mind's capable of and so I've, I've I felt like whenever I got to the point of not trying to make it as a pro that I had you know gotten a very lot out of the experience and trying to race at that level cool and then we've taken this now like we go to 2011 so we'll add 11 years to that right and where we're at about right now you've got gnarly roots going along again like you said with your good friend russell bobbitt you guys are giving tours you can rent a bike do you guys have any bio byob stuff yet or is that we we do offer a uh, bring your own bike option at the Texas location and posts that we do, but for the most part, for all the other ones, you do have to rent a bike from us and that's just quality control and we do the maintenance and we know what to expect. But um, when Russ was kind of getting towards the end of his racing career at the national level, he was looking for what's next. And he and I have had this idea for a while and I know plenty of other people do it as well, but we dove, you know, all into it. And this is, this will be our fifth year operating and we've had some awesome people out to ride with us and we've gotten the opportunity to work with a bunch of really good brands in the industry to create content and showcase products that they offer on our tours at local events at national events that Russ does and so that's we're still we're still getting to enjoy riding and it's it's crazy too you know just visiting with you about all this to see your journey through everything as well i mean we both are passionate about the sport and the friendships in it and man hopefully hopefully in another 50 years we'll just be old and gray and still laughing and drinking some beers and and out riding yeah the crazy part is both of us are now putting a lot of uh those where our journeys have come from to where we are now on youtube so in 50 years we'll literally be able to relive these moments and be like wow wow <laughs> Well, I, I know you are a family man. You have a, a life. And I, thank you very much for giving me some of that time. But what are some things to, to put out there, right? Like there are going to be people that listen to this that maybe are 14 and that just won their first C-class over, you know what I mean? Like, or there could be dudes like a Bobby Stewart who's 60 years old, but been racing longer than you have, but still kind of like wants to get thoughts from you. Like, do you just have any like nuggets that you want to share or just like go check out this dude on Instagram because he's super awesome? Like- whatever, man, you just. Oh, I would say my biggest advice to the younger riders is if you can find a more experienced rider to go ride with and see what they do, that would be worth a ton. And, um, there's, there's a lot of fast guys out there. Uh, 
and I, I would say go race, race frequently because that's how you get fast. If you're wanting to be a racer, go race any kind of local race, go race enduros, go race cross countries, uh, do all of that. Uh, and then just bike setups important. I've always been a big, big, I love to tinker with bikes. Even now I'm, you know, I'm not near as fast as I was once upon a time, but I still love spending time setting up bikes. I feel like it's part of the fun. And so I'll say that for sure, if you're a younger racer, if you can set your bike up where it's easier to go faster on, that's something that my dad was always big on and it, it makes it easier to go fast if the bike's not beating you up. Um, so I, I'd say always try to use that to your advantage. And I mean, other than that, I don't know what else. That's all right. I hope that I'm riding like Bobby is. I love seeing that guy at all the local Enduros. He's a, uh, you know, he's making me set goals for when I'm at that stage of life because he's still hooting and hollering and riding all the hard stuff and going fast. Yeah. It, 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 you're talking about setting your bike up to help you go fast. I was like, that's the one thing that I know, like you and I keep talking about trying to find a weekend or even a day where we could just go ride together and not be at an event or at a race or something. That's the one thing I know that you're going to be like, Pierce, like, what are you doing? Like, really? Like, this is the bike that you ride in, right? Like, it's going to be like, oh, it's, yeah, <laughs> I know it, but that's all right. We'll make well, you a video don't know what it. you don't know. So exactly. that's, yep. Yeah. But it'll be a great yeah, video when you make fun of me and it'll be phenomenal. We'll have a great time. All right, dude. Well, thank you very much for your time. I'm going to hit the, the stop button on that recording and we're going to go enjoy our Saturdays. Okay. Oh, wait, Sundays. Sounds we're going to go enjoy our Sunday. <laughs> Appreciate your time. Always good chatting with you. Yes, sir. And there you have it, February's podcast with Cole Kirkpatrick. You all know I'm a racer, but I've never raced at the level Cole has. It's great to get his perspective of what not accomplishing a goal feels like. He had his head on straighter than a lot of us probably would have when he decided it was time to call professional racing quits. So what did you think? Any perspectives on this to share with us? Drop us a DM or comment and keep the conversation going. Reminder that there is a new video on its way to the Seat Time YouTube channel. Hit the link in the description if you haven't subscribed to the new channel. Share this episode with your riding buddies and support Seat Time with the links in the description. If we don't see you on the trail, we'll see you on the internet. Enjoy getting Seat Time.